Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to The Political Party. Today's guest is Eddie Izzard, one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time and aspiring MP. Before I come on to this fascinating, amazing, hilarious interview, um, I can announce some future guests. Quite a few, actually. So the show is now booked until mid-June and the next five guests... My God, what an... You know what? Obviously, each individual will be amazing. But when I just think about this as a run, it's so exciting because people from different political parties, different areas of politics, different stages of career. So this is like, if you could pick the best five guests you could have to have all these different perspectives, I, I don't think you could book this better. So here we go. Monday the 20th of March, my guest is Krishnan Guru Murthy from Channel 4 News, one of the most gifted news broadcasters in this country and someone just oh i mean it's still so young but with years and years of experience of covering news and politics live news election nights that will be incredible and i very rarely see christian interviewed so that is a real gem on monday the 3rd of april again talk about a rare appearance ruth davidson the former leader of the scottish conservatives uh is in london very rare to get an interview with ruth outside of scotland uh very rare to get her live that will be amazing she's now in the lords but obviously politics in scotland is changing so quickly uh, with the resignation of nicola sturgeon and we'll have just have had announced the new leader of the SNP and the new First Minister of Scotland. So that will be a phenomenal person to be talking to. Obviously, Ruth went up against Nicola Sturgeon and, in a way, personally revived the Conservatives in Scotland um, in the period that she was leading them. So that will be, I mean, that is like pure chance of that timing. On Monday, the 17th of April, my guest will be Jess Phillips. I mean, my God, an absolute political megastar, always hilarious, always brilliant. Whenever Jess is on the show, it's always one of the funniest nights. That will be magnificent. On Monday, the 22nd of May, the definition of a big beast, David Blunkett. And David Blunkett is someone people have been talking about a lot lately, particularly uh, under Suella Braverman and her Home Secretary about how we deal with immigration. Now, David Blunkett was seen as a tough Home Secretary for, for the Labour Party, but talking to him about where the Home Office is now and and the way that uh, the small boat should be dealt with and all manner of other issues on crime and punishment will be fascinating. Plus, not just for the country, but for the Labour Party. I mean, David Blunkett's life is incredible. And to achieve what he achieved against the odds really is remarkable. And he's always funny and brilliant. And of course, just served 
during such an incredible historic time and at the top level. And then talk about rare interviews. My God, so excited to announce on Monday, the 5th of June, my guest is former Chancellor Philip Hammond. Now, that is a mega rare interview, uh, and that will be phenomenal. Obviously, I mean, there's so many things to talk to Philip Hammond about. Obviously, a.k.a. Spreadsheet Phil, um, talk to him about budgets and what it was like serving as Chancellor during that time under Theresa May, but obviously going through Brexit and everything dealing with Boris Johnson and all the other people that were around at that time and just the direction of the Tory party um, and picking his brains uh, will be such a treat. So five incredible guests at the next five shows, Christian Gurumurthy, Ruth Davidson, Jess Phillips, David Blunkett, Philip Hammond. Every single one is going to be incredible. You can get tickets at mattford.com or you can click the link uh, that I've put in the blurb uh, so that you can come to them. And thank you to everyone who came to the show that you're about to listen to. Eddie Izzard. Now, obviously, Eddie has been around politics for quite some time, having been a donor to the Labour Party in the 1990s. And I was certainly very aware when I was growing up uh, where Eddie's politics lay. But obviously, you want to dig a bit deeper and understand uh, why Eddie's standing for Parliament. And and I mean, there are so many amazing things that come out of this interview about why uh, standing in the North and not the South. I don't want to give anything away. But this, as you would imagine... <laughs> interviewing Eddie Izzard involves lots of tangents and ad-libs and stand-up perfect elements. And there's just so many brilliantly funny moments. But also, it's so personal. And there are clearly so many things that have had a huge influence on Eddie. Um, and things that are deeply emotional and very, very personal and not always easy to talk about, but just talked about in such a phenomenal way. So this is... Uh, this is obviously just such a such a treat, uh, and uh, I got dressed to kill that 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 uh, VHS, um, one of the greatest one of the greatest stand up videos of all time, uh, and so this was a this was uh, such a treat. So I won't waffle on anymore. Um, but uh, as always at the Duchess Theatre, I begin with uh, a bit of stand up about the fortnight in politics. But he unveiled his five missions in a uh, in an amazing speech, and he's obviously a big football fan. Uh, Keir Starmer. He started off. He said, "I've not been in Manchester actually since uh, a particular football match." And obviously, he's an Arsenal fan, and Arsenal and Man City are competing against each other for the league. And he's very polite about it. He said, "But I won't mention that today." You think actually, you know, Warstone Island, where he's here a fortnight ago. I think he should get stuck into him a bit more. I just want to say to Manchester City or Manchester United fans in the room, you're gonna win. Fuck all. <laughs> You've gone to shit, but it's great to be here tonight. And then he did that thing. And when politicians do this, alarm bells, he said, but actually, we can learn something from Arsenal and Manchester City. <laughs> I don't think it necessarily... I get the point about, like, an elite mindset, winning and stuff like that, but you really can't... I mean, what sort of political argument? The things we can learn from Arsenal and Manchester City will allow us to totally revolutionise the way that we collect council tax in this country. <laughs> It never really fully cuts across, but um, he, uh, he also had a line. He said, I want, I want Britain to be on the start line, but we're not. We're still, we're still in the changing room, doing up our laces. And I always think with Keir Starmer, he's, it's almost like the start of an analogy, and then he stops. He's like, go further, mate. I mean, if anything, we're still in the toilet. We've got brown sauce down our top. Smoking a fag, trying to get the last bits of we out of our willy. We're just not ready yet. 
But he, he had this phrase, that parts of it actually were sort of peculiarly florid. And halfway through this speech, he said, uh, ambitions are very ambitious. So ambitious that they raise our sights. And at first glance, seem too bold. They invite a sharp intake of breath. And then a question, can this really be done? That gives way to a new emotion. Like, are you writing a novel, mate? <laughs> It's like it's sort of copied and pasted something from the wrong draft. You're like, what the fuck is this? I want Britain to greet a new dawn, to feel the sun on our faces, to frolic in meadows and allow our hands to brush the dandelion spores as they scatter in the wind like so many of our dreams do. <laughs> it's unusually verbose for him, but uh, he, uh, he went through this speech. A, a number of um, announcements. I mean, even calling them missions sounds very religious. Very old-fashioned. I mean, I, I get the whole point about it. And obviously, he keeps saying, this is my position. These are my, effectively, missionary position, which... Uh, <laughs> I would like to see Keir Starmer do sex education. We've got to return to the missionary position. <laughs> it's the only way to drive this country forward. People have had enough of girl on top, doggy style, the electric starfish. Missionary. <laughs> it's the only way to drive Britain forward. But... Um, he wasn't the only person, of course, making a big announcement. Uh, Rishi Sunak was in Northern Ireland uh, to solve the problems that his own party created. Uh, a man who campaigned for vote leave, now trying to clean up the mess years later. And you may have seen him. He, he, did, this, he did two events. He did a joint press conference with Ursula von der Leyen. Um, where at the start of it, it was so surreal. He says, thanks to the changes we've agreed today, the cost of a pint when it's cut in Britain will also be cut in pubs in Northern Ireland. You think, this doesn't feel like the headline. That's sort of borderline racist. Not, I know you all drink Guinness. Now it's as cheap to get shit-faced here as it is in England. So weird to open with it. And then you, you might have seen him and Ursula von der Leyen. I'm, I'm not sure it's fair to say exactly they were flirting with each other. But she kept saying, dear Rishi. Have you noticed this? Dear Rishi. When we first came to talk about the protocol, Prime Minister, dear Rishi, we worked... But how far has he gone to get this deal over the line? <laughs> we made certain concessions on trade and I have to sexually satisfy Ursula von der Leyen once a month. I said I would do whatever it takes and I will. <laughs> and then he starts going on. I mean, you know what's mad is it's such a big deal, obviously. It's not just a big deal for Brexit, it's a big deal for the politics of Ireland, something that obviously, like, this is such a delicate geopolitical issue. And the way he's selling it is so small fry, because... I mean, we all remember uh, at Her Majesty's Jubilee, you couldn't get the same trees at garden centres, but now you'll be able to get them. Trees and plants and seed potatoes. You're like, he said potatoes. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible diplomat. You know, it's, why is it he makes such a big deal out of being able to get plants in garden centres? You're like, this can't be the biggest issue facing Northern Ireland right now. Is this why the real IRA have come back? Realise this is one of their demands. We will not cease until we have a United Ireland and a British government that is out of Ireland. Yes, and daffodils. <laughs> Incredible how much stories seem to put on it. But he uh, also did a Q&A at uh, Coca-Cola's headquarters in Northern Ireland. And he goes there with Chris Heaton-Harris, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. I don't know if you saw any of the news clips, but they both stand in front of walls of Coca-Cola cans, which feels inappropriate. When you're dealing with such a sensitive issue to effectively have a corporate partner, feels like an overreach, like literally in front of a wall of Coca-Cola cans. 
There's something strange about Rishi Sunak, if you watch him often enough. His body language is very childish. He smiles too much. And there's a bit where he comes out this thing at Northern Ireland, and he doesn't just wave. I've never seen a politician do this. He waves above his head. He goes like, ah. You look like Fraggle Rock as it is. Like, he's sort of like, hi. I mean, this is Northern Ireland. This is the most serious part of the UK. Why are you coming out like, like he's on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Hi. <laughs> Rishi from Winchester. Hi. Actually, I'm already a millionaire. It's pointless me being here, Chris. But uh, Actually, be a pay cut if I won. I mean, he does that very annoying thing, but I put in the word right at the end of sentences. Yeah, I mean, it, it's important, right? You know, don't... People do that. It's, quite, it's actually it's not a small thing. It pisses me off more than any linguistic. Because <laughs> what they're doing is they're forcing you to agree with them. You're like, no, no, no. I'll make my own mind up whether it's right or not. I mean, it's a good idea, right? Yeah. Don't... Don't try and, like, hoodwink me into doing stuff. All I'm saying is, anyone with a pet rabbit is a paedophile, right? Yeah. Oh, what? No, what? Oh, you got me, you cheeky bastard. He, uh, he also... Uh, I mean, he's such a strange man to watch, uh, Rishi Sinner. But he, he, gave, he did this uh, Q&A, and uh, he had another phrase where he said... He's talking about energy bills, and you're like, man, I don't think he's got any idea what people in this country are going through. Just the total fear that their escalating bills are causing them. Not just like in the immediate term, like the people's futures are disappearing before their eyes. And at one point he says, look, I know what it's like when you guys get a bill. You open it up, you're like, oh gosh, how did that happen, right? <laughs> I don't know anyone that has opened a bill recently. <laughs> That's not what they're saying, Rishi. I know, it's like when you guys open a bill, you go, you fucking Tory bastards. We're <laughs> in my fucking life, right? Right. Oh yeah, you were right that time, yeah. <laughs> Got a point that time. But... Uh, I mean, this, he used a phrase, I, I just think this is, it's because he's basically a novice. He used a phrase about inflation, he said, look, inflation looks like it's coming down, that the worst is over, touch wood. <laughs> touch wood? <laughs> no, that makes you sound like you're completely out of control of the situation. <laughs> look, look, I, I, look, Putin is not going to launch a nuclear weapon, right? Fingers crossed. But, uh, <laughs> uh, use phrases like that if you're in charge of a country, mate. It makes people very, very nervous. But... Um, <laughs> the Tories, by the way, had an away day at a hotel in Windsor, you may have seen this. They uh, had an away day to strategise various things and uh, apparently there was a pub quiz. And you think, I hope Lee Anderson was hosting it. <laughs> was it a Lee Anderson pub quiz. Question number one, how many people are there in the country? Too many. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Matt, the Matt Hancock WhatsApps, my God. Absolutely terrible. There's a bit where... On one of the WhatsApp, I mean, equally, I'm appalled, but I've read every single one. <laughs> Scrolling through the Telegraph website, going, oh, this is morally appalling. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what a great read this appalling filth is. Um, but there's a bit in it where uh, <laughs> someone says, uh, oh my God, they've got photos. And Hancock says, what do they show? And his special advisor says, <laughs> snogging and heavy petting. <laughs> And it's clear, Matt Hancock is clearly employing as his special advisor a lifeguard from the 1980s. <laughs> I haven't used the word heavy petting since I was at primary school. Yeah, they've also got CCTV if you're having a crafty fag and doing a cannonball in the shallow end. <laughs> the whole thing is absolutely terrible. But there's a bit in it where he talks about releasing photos of himself topless, surfing. And they're saying, oh, should we, re should we release this to the, uh, to the press? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I think I look quite good. And you're like, I don't think any other Secretary of State for Health. I mean, thank God Theresa Coffey did not carry on the precedent. <laughs>
Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, what a very special second half we have in store, uh, folks. Uh, tonight's guest, the first time that I've interviewed uh, tonight's guest, the first time I've met them. And someone who obviously has a glittering career, is one of the greatest stand-ups this country's ever produced, one of the greatest stand-ups the world has ever produced. Dressed to Kill uh, was the first stand-up VHS that I ever got. And uh, it's just such an honour to meet tonight's guest, who is not just, of course, a phenomenal stand-up comedian, a phenomenal marathon runner, and on top of all that, uh, a remarkable and formidable political campaigner, someone who's been involved in the Labour movement and left-wing politics for a very long time and is now, having served on Labour's NEC, hoping to get elected at the next election. Please welcome the one, the only, Eddie Izzard! <laughs> Oh. Got your white wine spritzer? This is a spritzer, which is essentially just fizzy water in wine, yeah? But it costs a bomb. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back to Covent Garden, which is where your career always started. It, it is my manner. I know all the, I know the ways of Covent Garden. Um, I was four years at Covent Garden, and if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen a good performer like that, if you see someone struggling, you go, well, that, that looks a bit tough. If you see a good person, a good performer, or act, it just underneath, in front of the portico, where First Punch and Judy were seen with Samuel Pepys, and where My Fair Lady is set, um, it just looks, oh, I just go on and you talk. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's harder than politics. It's harder than politics. And <laughs> politics is pretty tough. Um, it's, it's just because people just walk away. They go, uh -huh, uh -huh, let's go. And... <laughs> And you, you notice you hear, like, during this show, you're some, some people might leave during this show, but, but probably not. The atmosphere will still stay there. We're still closed in. We've got the walls. We've got the everything. But out there, there's nothing. And kids used to turn up, right? This wasn't your first question, I know, but anyway. <laughs> kids were the worst. Now, kids were, can, be, can be great, a great audience, but they had teachers. And so kids would turn up with teachers. And you'd be going along, and, and you had, say, 20, 30 kids, maybe. You know, a whole bunch of... Your, it's, it's the side of your, your, the, the edge. We, we, we worked an edge. It's just like people who sell... Who wants this? It was that six pence, not saying five pence, I'm saying nothing. You give, you know, the, you know people selling stuff. They, they, they talk about working an edge. I saw a documentary. They talk about working the edge. And we had an edge. We had to have this edge because it's the walls of our, of our atmosphere. But when you had a whole lot of kids there, the teacher would say, usually in the middle of a line, say, all right, now... 3B, we're going off to see elephants. <laughs> and boom, and it would, it would seem like someone had blown your wall of, of your theatrical atmosphere apart and everyone else would go, oh, this is awful. It just <laughs> felt awful. And so I would go up to them and I'd make no bones about it. I'd go and say, we're doing a I'm doing a terrible show. It's people die in this and your children will be scarred for life. I would take, because they will be sitting there waiting for a show, you know, especially in the summertime. It, you, I hate it. The kids, oh, you'll go to prison. Everyone will go to prison. I'll go to prison. We'll all be, just, I'd go, go now. Run, run for the hills, shout things. And then hopefully they go and they go, all right, now I'm going to start. <laughs> that was my technique. I see, you're kind of confused by this, but it's, I had to do it. I'm... I have to make things work. You see, this, is, this all goes into politics as well. Well, th are there transferable skills? Are there things that you learn as a street performer, as a stand-up? Campaigning, campaigning in the street. No one has stood in the streets and talked as much as I have. I mean, four years out there, I lost all my confidence. And I might seem like quite a confident person. I'm entrepreneurial with my confidence. Um, because I, I sort of lost it all. And then I just, I couldn't work out what to do, so I just carried on doing it. And then I started building it back up, but better than when before. When did you lose it? Out there. 
I, I came down, I'd done three, I went to Sheffield Uni to do accounting and financial management, exactly what everyone <laughs> would have assumed that I did. <laughs> I can add up, I can add up. Two and two is four, four and four is eight, <laughs> seven and seven, that's the joke I did. Um, no one gets the joke, okay. Uh, but I could do all that, so, so I do that. And I realized if I had an accounting and financial management degree, then um, I, while I was struggling to get into creativity, which I decided I'd made a pact with myself in my head at 16 that I am, you know, I'm going to do creative work, that I had to go through this going to university. Mum and Dad didn't go to university. My, there was a whole pressure to get your degree, and then you could choose what you want to do. But this accounting degree, it was going to be used as a thing, so I had to not get it. So I dropped out of that, and I started my whole career in Sheffield. That's why I love Sheffield. The people of Sheffield were just great for me. And, and I was starting up there, and then I was trying to bring stuff down to London, because you, you have to go out and about. And in the end, you know, I, I tried to be uh, MP up in Sheffield, and Abby, um, Abby Mohammed got in, and that's great, and well done to her. She's going to be great for Sheffield Central. And I was probably, they thought, I wasn't local enough. But I said, I can't, I couldn't stay here in Sheffield. I had to take my stuff <laughs> down to London and around the world. So anyway, but when I got down here, it, I just thought, well, this looks easy, this, this, this stand-up in the street. Uh, well, no, performance in the street looks easy. And I just could not do it. Um, I, I did sketches. If you do sketches out there, I know none of you are going to rush out and do sketches <laughs> immediately. But if you do, it just looks like, hi, I'm, I, you know, I, I need a job. I, well, have you got the right, you know, you sort of Monty Python type of sketch. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You've got to talk to the people. You have to do physical situation comedy. In the end, you probably have to get a, a, a volunteer and you have to get on some sort of contraption and almost die. If you almost die, then they'll stick around. In the end, my final show was on a five-foot unicycle getting out of a pair of handcuffs in, in 30 seconds. And people would stick around, even in the rain, uh, even on a day like today, which is kind of bl blustery and rainy outside, they'd stick around. Oh, they might die. That's... <laughs> This could be like a car crash, but on a unicycle. Unicycle crash, yeah, that's possible. And they wouldn't go in case I died. And then I didn't die, and they go, oh, well, there's tuppence. <laughs> but it taught, I lost all my confidence. I really got down from this confident little Burke, who'd done three shows up at Edinburgh, hitching up from Tinsley Viaduct up in Sheffield, all the way up to Edinburgh when I was 19, to, to, I'm going to do a show, and no one believed I could do it, and, and it, the show wasn't very good, but I was very, I'm very driven, very lazy and very driven. It's a bit of a weird combination. Um, but um, when I'm motivated, I'm really driven. And, I was, and that didn't go anywhere. I thought I was going to be signed up by television and, you know, to do a kind of Monty Python show. And uh, it didn't work. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'd seen street performing up at Edinburgh. And I thought, I'll do it in London. That's where they do it, Covent Garden. It'll be easy peasy. If, even not, maybe not easy peasy, maybe just easy. One stage down from peasy, which is... <laughs> Easy. Not hardly parsley. It was actually hardly parsley. Well, I thought it'd be easy peasy. It's very hardly parsley, and which is very made up, which you can use. And it's good for politics. And, but does um, this transfer to politics when you're on the doorstep in various parts of the country? Not, not, not. not well, no. The stand-up more transfer than that because in stand-up we have to talk. And if you're talking to people, you just got to not. Well, you can make jokes about the other team and you know ideas that you disagree with. But comedy is not good for politics, actually. Comedy is a, a, is a destructive uh, weapon, a, a, a thing that you say, this thing, this is stupid, I'll, let me tell you why. And I am passionate about, I've got some ideas which are really positive, and there's no real comedy in there. It's like uh, Jesus, if you talk about, the, you know, much about the Holy Grail, I don't believe in a floaty guy upstairs, but I think the Jeezy guy, Jeezy Crazy, he, I think he was there. <laughs> and... 
um, in, in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, they said you can't take the Mickey out of Jeezy Creasy because he'd said good stuff. He said live and let live. He said get on with each other. Make connections, don't break connections, which is what I'm all about. That is why I do my gigs in different languages. But does that, when you're now in politics mode and you're trying to get selected in Sheffield or wherever, mm-hmm. is there a danger that people are expecting you to be funny and then you're like, well, I want to be serious, and then do you feel like you still have to make people laugh? No. Actually, interesting, no. I think it's because I came out as trans back uh, 38 years ago, before anyone here was born. <laughs> uh, in 1984, before I did Street, actually, because I, I came out so long ago, um, and talking about being trans is quite serious, and it's got even more serious, maybe. Um, but um, I've talked enough about serious things. I've run enough marathons for people to know, and I've been an activist since uh, 2008, having been a member of the Labour Party since 95, and I've talked about, you know my vision for the future, which is everyone in the world has the right to a fair chance in life. That's my one-line vision. That's it. We have the right. They all have the right right now. We just got to give them that right. That's what I'm going to fight for. It's, it's almost impossible to go in as a constituency MP and do that, but I'm going to try and do that. And that's, it's, people say, well, that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm going to try, because coming out as trans was not easy back in 85. And people punched me in the streets and they hurled Endless abuse at me, but I had this trick of hurling endless abuse back at them. And then they'd hurl more abuse, and I'd go, well, fuck you, the father. And they go, well, the father, the father, whatever. Well, fuck you, the father, whatever. Oh, the father, whatever. Oh, the father, I've had a number of arguments like this with the last guy I had it with. He was walking away while he was still going, wana, wana. he actually walked away. I was winning. The, the, I, I was in control of the fields, which, you know, if you know your American Civil War, that's what you've got to be. You've got to be in control. And he just was walking away, shouting abuse backwards as he retreated, which I thought, that's a victory. Um, that's not a physical form of Twitter 30 years before. Yeah. Well, no, that was, that was quite reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, and the guy, you know, there was a court case and that happened and uh, the, the magistrates found against him. And I came back and I thought, that's great, that's positive. And I got out at the station where I live and someone else said, what the hell are you wearing, you big <laughs> like, You, I've just had someone in <laughs> It goes on. But, you know, hate crimes are there now and that's good, it's, which is a very tricky thing to have, you know, because freedom of speech, yes, but then certain speech, if it causes aggression to happen to other people, no. And that's quite nuanced, and we've got to this nuanced stage. I mean, some of our laws in the world are, you know, positive in helping things go forward. And um, some get, you know, why gun control? I think 70% of Americans want gun control, but it cannot happen because there's too much money in the NRA. Is that it? It's it, 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 mind-boggling that that goes on. But anyway... So what made you ideological then? Because I can understand how you would be political and socially aware. You're going through, as yeah. you say, coming out as trans at a young age and in an era where arguably it was harder than it is now. What made you left-wing or what made you Labour and when did that happen? My dad was always Labour. That wasn't the reason. I'm very similar to my dad, though. It's just, it's just a gut thing. A gra- um, one granddad was a bus driver. The other granddad was a cow herder who claimed he was a shepherd, which <laughs> I think is great. On Mum's birth certificate, they obviously turned to him and said, and what do you do? Some guy with a big pen. And what do you do? I am a, I am a shepherd. <laughs> like Jesus. Exactly like Jesus. I have my flock. He, what, I said this to my auntie. She said, no, he wasn't. He moved cows in and out of barns. He was a cowherd, but he read and reread the works of Dickens. 
and he was, his, his wife died and became the local Lothario in the village of Appendore in Kent, walking around apparently to the other, widow, other widowed ladies and saying, hello. I mean, I don't think he said, I don't think he used that voice. He, was, he would be all right, ah, hello, 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 how are you doing? Are you free? And then he sold his house, so he had nowhere to live. And then he, so he had spending money, and he went around all, he had about six kids, including my mum, and he went around like a king's progress, saying, I am staying with you now. I am staying with you for six months, maybe longer. And they all had to put him up. This, this is grandfather with a pipe. This was, uh, there was granddad, and then there was grandfather with a pipe. And that's a trick, that's a thing I've said, that if you become a grandparent, always rush in and say, Granny and Granddad, we're Granny and Granddad, okay? Because the other team were going to be whoops and mumps. <laughs> Flipsy and Bongo. <laughs> you can't get Granny and Granddad, they got Granny and Granddad, so you're Dingo and the helicopter face. And this so, is what made you labour. <laughs> exactly it. Exactly so. Well, Dad was, Dad, you know, he, he, he came out uh, of, uh, he just missed the war, and then he went into the Navy immediately after the war, which is kind of bonkers, and, um, but he, he, he worked his way up, and, and he was always a Labour voter. The, the, the Heath Wil Wilson elections, uh, there were three really quick, weren't there? And I was there, uh, after Mum died when I was six years old, and that was a hellish thing, which, which me and my brother just, and my dad just never got over with. But we went to these boarding schools. So I was at these schools where a lot of the kids on that go up and end up either voting Tory or becoming Tories, you know, becoming MPs. And there was us at these elections, because there were three close. And I'd say, Dad, what are we? And we said, Labour, OK. So I'm rooting for like, no, without processing the thought. And then I, at school, I was going, so, so what's your, your Tory? Oh, you're a Tory, because I'm Labour. Yeah, <laughs> so what are you? You're a Tory? You're, oh, you're a Tory. Everyone here, everyone. I mean, there might have been some liberals at that time because it was back then before Lib Dems. And but I, I, it was. I, I thought, what the hell is going on? And Dad, we, these weren't the schools we were going to go to, and um, and that was not how he went. And I just, I'm just, I was 80% similar to my dad, and I just saw it's the way forward. It's. Um, uh, you know, it's about the many, not the few. This, this, this slogan has been used over the years, but it is that. We're trying to help as many people forwards. Some people get to a good place and then they seem to push people back. I, I, work like my, I work my backside off to get to a good place and I want to encourage everyone up. Try this, try that. Keep pushing, determination. Go for it, go for your dreams. If you shoot for the stars, you can reach the moon. That's, I want to just encourage people. And, and being trans and out, some people are obviously very transphobic and giving me hell over this, but I do exist and I'm not going anywhere and I'm just being honest. In a world of, of, of Donald Trump and Boris Johnson, the Tweedledum and Tweedledee of pants on fire politics. <laughs> um, I, I was, came out at 23 and said, no, this is the truth. This is how, this is inside. And I knew since I was five years old. And, and that's, that's a positive thing. So I think young people, young voters, young, even people younger than that, they, they, they see me walking in a, in a, in a kind of youthful way. That uh, um, doesn't quite sound right as a sentence, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Having, you know, an idea that's, that's positive. LGBTQ positive, it, positivity, the idea that we can get to a better place. Because I think the younger generation are going to grow up saying, what is the problem with you know, how you see yourself. What is the problem you older generations had about that? What was the problem you had with skin colours? Take me through this idea. So if their skin colour was different to yours, there was a problem with that? Why? And I think the younger generations are going to save the world, hopefully. 
That, that, and football. <laughs> no, because football can save you because it's a leveller. You know, you've seen yeah. this. You've got, you've got great players now in the Premier League from all over the world, and it's spreading out the respect around the world. And teams are giant, some teams, national teams are giant killers around the world, and they come out and they play. I didn't expect you to win this thing. I didn't expect this team to get so that far. That's a beautiful thing. It's uh, football, soccer can save the world because you can be tall, short, wide or thin. doesn't matter. It's the most genetically open of the sports that I, that I know. You just, you just got to be good at it. And, you know, so I, I love it. I lived for football when I was a kid. You seem to be, uh, maybe I'm wrong, a, a moderate Labour person, not, not a hard... I'm a racist. radical moderate. OK. I do radical things with a moderate message. But... <laughs> That is it. I'm very. I'm more radical than some. You know. There's. You know. As we go on the further, further left, I. I may, maybe not be there, but I. But were I, you ever there? Were you ever on the hard left? No. I was. I was always. I. I wanted to set up a, my own business. I have a business. I've run for thirty years, uh, exporting um, skills that I've developed over the years. Drama, because you mentioned a comedian, but you know, I've been over 25, 30, 40 films now. Um, I've just done uh, Great Expectations on Broadway, off Broadway, and I got rave reviews. And that's that's a drama. You know, I, I have all this dramatic side to me, which kind of gets overlooked. The comedian, the endless comedian. But no, should I, I have mentioned that in the intro? Yeah, and so you're gonna. <laughs> I'm mentioning it. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a thing they do because it's, you know, it's easy. Oh, yeah, because you do comedy. And the comedy is good. I mean, in French, it's, pretty, it's really good. I just did a gig. In, I came back from New York and I, I said, let's go play France, you know, because so, I want to keep making connections. I know there's Brexit bureaucracy and the Brexit experiment is carrying on, but, you know, I just want to make connections because that's the way forward for humanity. So I'm going to keep fighting, keep pushing. In German, doing my show, Alles auf Deutsch, Guten Abend Berlin. Wie geht's? Ich bin Eddie Izzard. Ich heiße Eddie Izzard. Ich bin transgender. Ja, motherfuckers. Das ist eine gute Sache. Ich mache mein Show auf Deutsch. Ja. And I have my, my Lieblingswort, my favorite word is, is ausgefuckingzeichnet, which is extra fucking lunt. I just put swear words in the middle of really big... French and German words, abzufuckenlumor and ausgefuckenzeichnet. Um, die Zeit, the, the, the paper Die Zeit said, Eddie Izzard has, I brought up my autobiography, autobiography. And they said, Eddie Izzard has an autobiography, ausgefuckenzeichnet. <laughs> I thought, that's pretty groovy. Because it is peace in our time, the, that actual word, ausgefuckenzeichnet, or abzufuckenlumor, it is very, very German and very, very English, very, very French and very, very English. And so I look for these things which make German kids go, oh, that's fun, and British kids go, oh, that's fun. And I look to make connections. I was born in Yemen, I was born in Aden. Um, Abby Mohammed, who was also born in, in, in Sheffield, she came first, I came second, and we were both born in Yemen. And they're having just the hellish, most hellish time in the world, and no one's paying much attention to it. So both, uh, she's doing hard work and I'm doing hard work to try and help there. But, um, you know, I just, I think this century, this is my thing, I think this century we're going to make it a, a fair world for 8 billion people, everyone having the right to a fair chance in life, not a free life, but a fair chance in life. That's going to happen this century or we're not going to make it as a species. I really don't think we're going to make it through. If lying, if there's no consequences to political lying, we're just not going to make it. If, if the big lies, the let's put 350 million pounds a week into the NHS, well, pigs will fly when that happens. That was just a fundamental big lie. Um, you know, Trump and having the idea that he'd won the last election when he obviously lost it, we, there's got to be consequences. And if there's no consequences to political lying in, in that vast way, then we're not going to make it. And I, but but we could, this could be our first century, the first century where we get it right. 
and then we will have a future. There's been five great mass extinctions on our planet, and we will cause the sixth one, or we'll get to a better place and we'll say, no, there's got to be consequences <laughs> to political life. Everyone lies a bit in life, and do, 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 does that look good? No, it doesn't quite look good. You know, that kind of thing. We know that, but just saying out and out rubbish, all this thing that's happening with, with um, Fox News in America, and they just said, we knew that they were lying, but we carried on perpetuating the lie because it made money. Rupert Murdoch was quite happy to say that and just carry on. If there's no consequences to this, we're not going to make it. But are these the reasons that you, you're now effectively more politically active and more active in trying to find a parliamentary seat, things like Brexit and Trump? Because no, no, no. You've always no, been I, political. No I, no, I said I was going in 2020. I, I said, if anyone trawls back through the things, I said it. I was very, I'm very <laughs> military on this. I, was, I said, in 2010, I'm going in 10 years' time. Because remember the set elections? I was going in May 2020. I'm going in. And then it, it all blew apart, and then there was December yeah. nine, uh, 2019, yeah. and I was trying to get in there, I was trying to get a seat, and that didn't happen. And so I tried to get some Sheffield, and I keep trying, and I'm, I'm a relentless bastard, and I keep going. If the, if the people of Britain want me, I would love to be in, and I will fight hard, and I'm going to keep going until I get in, because um, I'm just kind of like that. And, and then I want to help, and I have this energy, and I have a vision that's positive, um, uh, I have a, I have a, I, when I run my marathons, the 130 marathons I run, Make Humanity Great Again. That's the name of my fund. Uh, I don't know where I got that saying from. Um, <laughs> came to me one day. But it's very inclusive, don't you think? Yeah. Make Humanity Great It's every single, that's eight billion people. Let's try and make them all. Let's try and get to a place. And we have done, you know, so have we been great? Yes, we have. Occasionally done great things as human beings. Like World War II is interesting, because people say that it was, it was an amazing generation. In fact, no, there are amazing people in every generation, is the truth of this. And Max Hastings agreed, I don't think my politics Max Hastings would be exactly the same, but he said the similar thing. Certain people in World War II did amazing things. Certain people did horrible things, and they sold fake uh, drugs, and they were on the black market, and they were doing all sorts of making money off selling ordnance. And others were doing this very selfless thing and being amazing people and, and putting, losing their lives. And, just, you know, and, and that happens in every generation. And there's some beautiful people out there, and there's, and there's some hellish people out there in every generation. We have to try and be brave and curious, not fearful and suspicious. That's what we have to be. But do you... I mean, you're, you're a global comedy icon, as well as being a very talented actor uh, <laughs> off Broadway. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. We've got all these strings to your back. You know, you, you have a level of personal freedom and, and creative control yep. and opportunity that very few people ever enjoy. Do you really want to give that up to be a backbench Labour MP? Do I have to be backbench? <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, no, at least I, for the first yeah, day, maybe. Let me, let me analyse your question. What you're saying is, it's, surely it's more fun outside. It is, it, a lot of, I think a lot of, I'm a radical and a moderate, and a lot of uh, moderate people will not go in because it's too toxic in politics, and people will come for you, and they'll, and they'll go through your rubbish. And also just, that it might be mundane. Well, between mundane and, and toxic, <laughs> hellish, and, but if... I, I, I have the gift of analysis. I, I, anyone could develop it, and some bad people have developed it and they analyse things, but I analyse and try and work out the best way of heading forwards on things. And um, I got that from coming out as trans, and all, I, had to, I did self-analysis. I lay on my bed at, um, on Calabria Road, Highbury and Islington, just lying on my bed, and I, sh I shared the, the room with a water tank. I was up in a garret at the top. I had this idea that I, I used to say, water tank, water tank, what should I do? I can't understand you. I'm a bloody water tank. 
Um, but it, you know, I just knew I had to come out. I, I looked in. I looked in the. Remember, anyone's old enough to remember the yellow pages in in a phone and phone boxes and stuff like that. Well, I went into a phone box which had a yellow. They used to have them in the old days. And I looked up TVTS. It was TV and TS because the language has changed over the years. And uh, transvestite and transsexual. That's where the abbreviations were, were being used because. The word transvestite is so toxic, and, and I, is there a help group anywhere in the UK? Yes, there's one. It's on Upper Street, and it's just down the road. And it was half a mile from where I was, and I thought, well, this is... I don't believe in God, but that's the fates. That's the humanity fates ringing a bell and saying, go, it's half a mile down the road, you have to go. So I went, and, and now I'm here. And I, even though some people were being transphobic in, in, uh, when I was going for the selection in Sheffield Central, and the people of Sheffield were wonderful in the streets, just fantastic and really positive. Um, I, I'd still love to be an MP for the people of Sheffield. But anyway, anywhere up north. Um, I, so not down south? No, I, I'd rather be up north, because I'm a kid from the south. And I wanted to be up north. That's why I chose Sheffield to do uh, my degree. I wanted to go somewhere up north. And Sheffield said, come here. And I said, yes, OK. And I was a bit freaked out when I got there because it was different. And, and, but the people of Sheffield, this is the thing I said. And I said this in my campaign. They were just great. They're just great sense of humour. All right, love, just sit down there. Do you want the bus fare? Because where's your bus fare? I, I, can't, I can't break a tent, but well, right, just sit there. And they were just great and funny and relaxed and had this character. And, you know, I, I just want to fight for that. If there is a north-south divide, which there seems to be, like in, in, in Italy, it's the other way around. In most countries, there is this sort of separation thing. I want, and if people of the North feel the South has it good, then I want to fight for the North. So do you, do you sort you. of have an underdog spirit then? Is that part of your political identity? Well, yeah. I don't think I'm an overdog. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't born into, you know, if one granddad's a bus driver and the other one's a cowherder, that's not... That comes in the underdog kind of area. But I went to the school where it was more overdoggy. You know, you know, if you went to boarding schools, they, everyone was, they said, you're going to be leaders of, what is it, leaders of, uh, of, the, of the nation. You know, you're going to run all the businesses. You're going to be the people who run. And I thought, <laughs> what? You're not using any consonants. But you think? Surely some consonants. <laughs> I'm still going. Anyway, no, so I... But do you think you would have had the career you'd have had had you not gone to boarding school? If mum hadn't died, because two years after mum died, I I did small little shows and then mum died and then I did a play and I thought, I need this affection. It it was a look for affection because mum was a very loving woman and she was a nurse and, you know, NHS, fighting for nurses, fighting... Anyway, she's just a wonderful person. And then suddenly she was gone, and I saw this play, and the affection that was being given up to some kid. I was at school at Eastbourne, at, at Bead School in Eastbourne, and, and uh, The Boy with a Cart by Christopher Fry. And it was, this kid was getting a lot of positive reaction. I thought, I need that, I, I want that, I'm going to do that. And that was at seven, that was January 1970, and it stayed locked in to write this moment. Now, it's, it's, it's a thing... I, it's a good, quite a good deal. It's, it's not because um, you can have unconditional love. Some mothers, some parents maybe would... Uncondi- whatever you do, you know, I'm, I'm going to love you. But this is... Of an audience, it's conditional. You have to do good work, I feel. I, you know, you can't just phone it in. You can't do terrible drama or comedy. You've got to do the good stuff. And that's why getting these really good reviews for, for Great Expectations was beautiful. Um, I'm not really... I'm just mentioning it. Um, because it is coming to London in May. <laughs> 
But is there something about a private education, that, as, as well as all the hardship you've experienced, that maybe being around other people and being told by teachers you will go on and achieve something gave you a drive that perhaps, had you gone to the local state school, you might not have had? Maybe, but no. If, I, if you track all the people I went to school with, I don't think that quite works out. Because... <laughs> There's, you know, there's a bit of nature, a bit of nurture, but I was driven like a bloody steam train. I don't know what... I think I might I just have the driven thing. Um, I'm ambitious, and, and people say, well, that could be a bad thing, but no, Nelson Mandela was ambitious. That was a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends what it's in your heart, if you have a positive heart. Because uh, I want to... I'm happy to get... I want to do things... Hard thing. I mean, doing gigs in French is not easy. Doing it in German is <laughs> even harder. In Spanish, on top of that, and then Arabic, and then Russian, I want to do... I want to do these things, because I'm... Because, you know, if I'm a trans person, I'm doing that. And also, I, I look like some person, some Burke. You know, like, I said, David Beckham, he does amazing, amazing football, he's done amazing things, and he looks kind of magical. David looks kind of magical. And I look like some Burke. And, you know, I, I don't have that, you know, you know, if you're very pretty boys and very pretty girls, you know, at school, remember, when we were growing up, everyone at school, you go, well, wow, they just look amazing. And I just look like some kid. And... And I think that helps me because some people say, well, that strange person, that person seems to be trans and they're running all these marathons and they're doing that. I'll do the couch to 5K. I'll I'll have a go. I'll raise some money. You know, and that's great. If that can help them get off the couches, help with their fitness, because the, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. That kind of thing works with the with the body. We have to use these these human units that we have, and we have one life, so live it well. And I'm going to be match fit for life. That's my that's my deal with myself. Everyone should be match fit for life. All wild animals are. They're match fit for life. They, you know, there's no there's no. I, this is a bit of stand up now, but there's no tigers going. Yeah, rawr, what? I'll just finish this and I'll be with you. Now. Just finish smoking this uh, cigarette. Here. Oh, they've all gone, they've all gone. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll have to get some Frosties. Tony, <laughs> I missed the hunt. They all went in a bus or something. <laughs> but there's, obviously there's nothing ignoble about ambition. So if you, if you apply that to politics, we sort of joke about yeah. you being a backbencher, but would you think, just as you had a plan to be an MP in ten years, would you say, well, I'd want to be in the shadow cabinet or the cabinet within five? No, I don't do... I won't do dates on it. I won't do dates. But you'd want to, you'd want to reach the top. I want to help, I, I want to get the Labour Party into power and then I want to help the Labour Party uh, make laws that make lives of people in Britain and around the world better. But would you want to be Prime Minister? I want to get, that's a trick question. And, uh, Is it? Yes. <laughs> don't you think? No, I think it's a direct, no, straightforward... No, it's, no I, I don't care, I don't mind who does the gig. But do you fantasise, do you think, no, I could be the first? No, no, I don't mind who does the gig. Because it's, it's really tough in politics. I think it's really tough. And I think a lot of people do, from both sides, can really have positive hearts and try to do something else. And then there's some people who are just <laughs> pants on fire. You know, D- Boris Johnson was just a waste of space. And, and he's still hovering around like Trump. They're hovering around like the ghosts of Christmas failed. And... <laughs> Um, I, you know, I, it's just it's mind-boggling. I, I said when he, when, he, when he was pushed out, I said, the Tory party have said that he's, Boris Johnson has lied 7,225 times and that's it, that's <laughs> enough. That's, draw a line. <laughs> so Borexit happened. 
Okay, so if not Prime Minister, if you were to fantasise and take Prime Minister out of it, about what would no, the ideal I, cabinet position be for Eddie Izzard? What would you think oh, that would be my deputy, ideal brief? Deputy Prime Minister of Private Sector. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not... It's, it's like people say to me, well, what uh, directors do you want to work with? And I'm not going to even do that. I just... I want to do as good a work as I can. There's, um, I'm, I'm 61, but 61 is the new 30 and a okay, half. Okay, so work and pensions. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because you see, it's how old are you in here, in your brain? That's it, in your mind. I am, I'm 22. I'm permanently 22. I don't quite know why, but I do have this energy. I have run a lot of marathons. I did 32 marathons on a bloody treadmill and then did a gig after each marathon. <laughs> I did a double marathon the last day. I don't know if you know if you yeah. track this bit, and that's it's incredibly boring running on a treadmill for uh, six hours a day. And the last day I did it for twelve hours and did a stand-up gig in the middle of it. Um, I have a certain amount of energy. I'm gonna if, if if the Labour Party wants it, if the people of Britain want it, I can fight. I can fight hard, and I can come up with better, different ways of doing things. I you know no one. I've played all fifty states of America. I'm performing in these different languages. I'm running marathons. It's these are not on the list of oh you've got to do these things. I just I, I came up with them because I thought maybe these could capture people's imaginations and and I. I I wanted to do things that made me go, oh, who's the, who did that? That's amazing. Oh, that's me. Oh, well, that's quite good. Um, <laughs> I will spend time with me. You know that there's a lot of people who are really twisted. I think they hate themselves. There's, there's an inner thing, that, and it, it turns into something that comes out. And, and I quite like myself because I'm, I'm trying to do... I know that I can get the certain things with me that I really don't like, but, but I'm trying to do some good stuff out there. What do yeah. you like about yourself? Oh, I can, I can get jealous of things because I'm, if there's a running race, I'm running around the outside of the track all the time. I'm not on the inside track. You know, there's certain people who get through and then they get the award for this and that, that, that. And the other. I'm, I'm, no one sees... I'm, I'm sort of... I had to set up great expectations. It's just me playing 19 characters. Um, because no one would give me really good gigs. So I said, well, I'm going to set it up myself. And I did the audiobook of this, and I, uh, I'm dyslexic, severely atypically dyslexic. And I just thought, well, if I do that, then I can read a, work, a great work of literature. And Dickens is 150 years to the day older than me. And so I thought, well, I'll start with Dickens. And I did this thing, and, and New York just said, this is good. And so that's beautiful. I've come up with ideas which are just not on the list. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you, I mean, I'm obviously not a psychologist, and I was never sort of planning for the conversation to go this way, but you, you, you kind of... 
You feel like someone who has something to prove to, you, I, I don't know, the world or an individual. I don't know what it is, but you, no. I, you know, I have a lot of drive, but it's nothing compared to what you have. And you sort of feel, you know, the way you talk about yourself. I think when I first saw you do stand-up when I was growing up, I thought you were the most visually striking human being. I just thought you were amazing looking. I didn't think of you as... I mean, I would put you in the same category as Beckham. I think you can carry off any look. No, but, but the, if you saw Dress to Kill, then I had more blue eyeshadow on than anyone has ever worn. <laughs> because... The hair and the clothes, it was like yeah, amazing. I know. Well, it was, well, I was trying to work out what being trans was when there wasn't any really guidelines. And also, it was, there, was this, there was a kind of frumpy transvestite kind of look, and I had no, well, we have to get out of that. And so I had to go more rock and roll on that. And I was just, I was, I was trying to analyse things and work things out as I went along. And I didn't feel very cool. I wasn't cool. I wasn't a cool kid, but I had to try and make this slightly more cool. Kind of, I had to just uh, put a positive um, direction on, on my sexuality, which was true. It, it, the thing is, it's in me. It's true. It's honest. And there's been trans people back down, and LGBTQ people back down the generations, and they've been treated horrendously. A lot of people have had horrendous things happen to them, but now it's a lot better, even though there's still all these discussions. You know that all the discussions about uh, being trans and the arguments and this and then the other? Well, when I came out, there weren't any discussions. And so it's yes. positive, even though there's a lot of toing and froing and arguing this way and that. We didn't have anything. I was just a toxic person, a non-person, not a member of society. And I knew that my job was to try and edge us help edge us into society. And it's been a lot of other people, not just me. But I, in my own, I just thought I was going to carry on regardless and just try and be positive and try and do good comedy, good drama, good marathons. My marathons, <laughs> my marathons are very slow. They're not very good marathons, but they, I get it done. I get <laughs> it done. And good stand-up in different languages. And, you know, and then hopefully other kids around the world go, well, I'm going to try a bit of that. And then younger generations come forward with a different attitude and just say... Yeah, we, we can make this world a fair world for everyone. The, the trans discussion, I just, as someone who's not trans, who is you know, a straight white guy, I just find it so difficult to engage with because I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing. So is, are transvestite and transsexual different, or is that, was that just the just old language? Word? Just language okay. going through. Remember, um, for African-American people um, in America, because it's defined different, I think uh, people... You know, there's people of colour. You one that is a phrase one can say. Yeah, I, I keep trying to check. Yeah, how, you're not saying phrases that aren't are old-fashioned phrases. But African American, that phrase that wasn't. You know, at one point it was Negro, at one point it was coloured, I believe, and then it moved. And it, the people just updated things. And when we came out, transvestite is a Latin phrase. That means no one had updated it since the Romans. So that's not good. And what does it, it mean? Cross-dressing. So trans vest vest is close. Yeah. So then it's, but then that's surely you know that. <laughs> I do now. You, you need a little bit. I'll of be passing it off like a. No, but, but that was and they said let's cut it down to TV and TS and I was going to say I'm a TV and they're saying you're a television <laughs> and that was and then I came up with action transvestite and executive transvestite to try and put these different spins on them. So I've been trying to work out, you know, putting you know just saying I exist, I'm here, you know, and and um, and I'm and I'm saying hello to people. That's what I do is I say hello to people, um, even if people are looking at me. Rather weirdly, I will try and say hello before they go and, and, and shout things at me. And people might say, well, in Britain, you're a bit known, you're, you're quite well known, so that people are going to be nicer to you. But I, I can go to, I'll go to France, Germany, I'll go to Russia, I'll go to anywhere. And, um, well, maybe not Russia right now. No, not right now. But, you know, I think this is Putin's war and, not, and the people of Russia are being dragged into it. 
Um, you know, I know people in Russia. I played in Russia, and I know the kids in Russia. They they want a positive future. So um, you know, this is there's there's about ten to fifteen individuals around the world who seem to be dragging humanity back. You know, the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? I don't think there is a meaning of life, but some of us put meaning into life, and other people take it out of life. So it needs to have as many of us putting meaning into life as possible to make the century work. Uh, so much of your stand-up, uh, and that I really loved, was about the church and the Bible. You mentioned Jesus Christ stuff tonight. It, what's odd is for an atheist, actually, you talk like a preacher. You, you have a sort well, of I'm, grasp of vocabulary that I'm feels not religious. An a- you know, because atheist is non-theist, you know, and you don't believe, I don't believe in Theo. I don't believe in a floaty guy, <laughs> because if he is, World War II proved that there's no floaty guy there. Now, if you believe in God, great, well done. Well done for staying in there. But he's not there, kids. <laughs> no, because World War II, because if he's not coming down when 60 million die, then what's he going to do? And people say, well, he's not supposed to go. No, he is. You've got to come down. It's like if kids are playing and he's a parent. You go, oh, there's 10 million dead people. Come on. Who is it? The guy with the star show, right? You're flicked off the board. Now carry on, everyone. <laughs> and he could have done that. And there were, there were about 15 attempts on Hitler. And there was one beautiful guy, that some, uh, a carpenter, who tried to blow him up back in 38 or something. And, and he's a bloody hero. You should learn more about that story. But, um, you know, it didn't happen. He had the, the luck of Hitler. And it just went on and on and on. And... Um, but Maybe it's not a Christian God, maybe it's a different type. I mean, none of us know. Well, it's not a Nazi God, that's for certain, you know? <laughs> it, but, but my point, it doesn't matter who it is. I don't think there is one up there, but I believe in humanity. I believe in us. I believe that there's more goodwill than ill will in the world. Um, while we're waiting to, to, for God to come down and say, oh, yes, I was, I was over in another, uh, you know, galaxy doing uh. this. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, what's been happening? Oh, hellish things, wow. <laughs> I was last year, I was making dinosaurs. I mean, what's the point of dinosaurs? <laughs> This is my, another way of proof. If he's not coming down for 60 million dead, he's not coming. So maybe he is there, and uh, then he's a bastard because he's not coming down for 60 million dead. That's a, not a nice person. We would not vote for this God uh, on this well, basis of what's happening. Some people in the world. might. <laughs> no, well, they vote for another God. They say, You're not God. He's like, I am God. And he won't, he's, anyway, it's um, you know, the dinosaurs, 165 million years of rawr, and that. They're useless individuals. They were very tall. They had brains the size of chickens. And all they did was go... They were like pirates without any of the glamour and the clothing. And that was... We've been around for about 2 million years. 165 million years of big, huge, monster idiots. That's not a plan. There's no plan. If you look at God's plan, it's very similar to no plan. Now, I would say that a lot of people in, 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 the, in uh, religion are, are decent people. They're helping people out there. They're helping people in the community. That's what I, I, I agree with them. I work with them. I'll, I'll fight for those people really hard. But I just, I just got to disagree with them on the floaty guy upstairs. I just don't think but he's... But some people might say no plan is better than a bad plan. Well, God's no plan is better than a bad plan. No, no. Some plan is better than... Yeah. <laughs> No, no plan is better than a bad plan, but some plan is better than no plan. So if God hasn't got any plan, his plan is just, oh, whatever. He's, he's smoking a lot of weed and, he's just, and playing video games or something, or he's not there. It's polite to say he's not there. It's impolite to say he's there and he's a horrible person. I guess what I was initially driving at was your, your vocal style and your vocabulary does feel almost religious. Have you been influenced in a way by the church even if you're not a believer in it, that somehow delivery and style and, and making a case. No, I, I, no, I've been influenced by Nelson Mandela and Abraham Lincoln. Um, and I don't think they were totally wrapped up with God. It's, you know, because 
You know, if you, if you, I, I know a lot about the American Civil War and, you know, the war against slavery, which some people in the South said wasn't about slavery, but they didn't release all the slaves on the day one, so it was about slavery. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and Lincoln points out, God cannot be on both sides of this, because some people in the South say, it's, God's on our side, and he wasn't. And, he's, and then he wasn't there, because he was If he isn't there, if you take God out of everything, it makes sense. Everything begins to make sense. Stuff is just happening. Why would a huge boulder come from outer space 65 million years ago and hit down and blow up in the, in the Gulf of Mexico? Why would that happen? Is that a plan? That's, that's always got no plan, or he just said, oh, I've got this big rock, I'll just chuck it at the end. <laughs> we wouldn't vote for this guy. This guy is not being voted for, but I think we're just lucky enough to be here. And... Um, and David Attenborough came up with figures on, he does amazing stuff and he's gonna keep working and working and working forever and ever and ever and, I, and he just wanted him to go on and on. But he said these figures that in the world there are, th there are th uh, the figures on the, it's like 33% of creatures on the planet are us and it's about 60% are, are um, animals that we keep for slaughter and 4% are wild animals. Those are not good figures, not good figures. And are you vegetarian? I am, I am a chicky pescatarian. <laughs> and I only do chicken and, and, um, and uh, fish. So just think about it. See. But all, all those bigger lads, I'm not going to. <laughs> so just think about voting and who people would vote for if they, if they wouldn't vote for God then. What would... How do you define Izzardism? Like beyond the, the kind of principles that you've laid out about for the many and not the few and helping people, are you tough on crime? Are you, uh, you know, what is your view on immigration and the small boats and things like that? I don't know whether getting down to the nitty gritty and laying out a point by point plan, I don't, I don't know where that's going to get us. And, and yeah, it'd be great to do that. And then people say, well, you said that then and you moved it to this. I just, you know, I've said it in a, in a macro way. I know that once you get in and become an MP, become a minister, um, shadow minister, minister, you will find out, actually, you want to have this to happen, but we haven't got any money to do that. You want to do this thing, but this is happening. I need to drill down into all the information before I say categorically, this is this, this is that, this is the other. But everyone having the right to have a fair chance in life, that is where I start. And, and that's what I'm, I'm still going to fight for. And if you, if you think it's crazy, then just track the rest of my life up to this point. And I have been fighting for this for a long time. So I haven't got my, this isn't my manifesto here. I'm not laying out point by point by point thing, but I want everyone, I want kids at school to have a fair chance. I went to schools which gave you a better chance, but I want, I, my dad didn't go to school, my mum didn't go to those schools, and I want everyone to have this fair chance. I want it, I just, I want a world going forward where, where color doesn't matter, LGBTQ doesn't matter, where just being a, a human individual and living your life and, and trying to do more positive things in the world. That, that's what matters. So that's what I'm going to fight for. That's, and I'm, uh, you know, at some point I will have a point by point thing, but I'm not in the Keir Starmer position where he's giving out these five points. <laughs> oh, I'm no. At this point. But I mean, I, I just want to figure out where you stand on crime. Like, are you uh, a kind of lock them all up and throw away the key? Uh, I, I don't sense that you'd bring back the death penalty. No, but no, no. Do, you, uh, do you have a sense of crime and punishment and things like that? Are you a little more liberal end? Well, I jumped a 20p tube fair when I was 19. So, Scumbag. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't pay the 20 tube, and so I got fined for that. And I tried to run away from that, and uh, I, uh, a policeman grabbed me, and then his camera broke. Because he was, had a camera with him. He was an off-duty policeman. So <laughs> that happened. So I've already done very bad things. 
20 p tube fare. But that, that's kind of it. So, but you know, I, it isn't my central, the central plank of my political no. thing that I'm going to tackle crime. Yes, I, I don't want people attacking people in the streets. I've been attacked in the streets, so I don't want that to happen. I want, uh, I don't want people being fraudulent in, in business matters. I want everything to be just as fair as it can be. And we do try, I mean, the fact there are hate crimes, I said this earlier, I think that's, that is a good thing because it took ages to get to that point. And there were two people who were, who were walking down the road and they started saying nasty things to me and I said, oh, be careful, you're wandering into a hate crime here. <laughs> and they slowed down. And I could see their kind of, they were somewhat drunk, but I could see their adult brains going, oh, God, yeah, that, mm, okay. Um, so I was pleased that that was there, and, and that comes from both sides. You know, I think across the board, we're, we're happy that that exists. We want freedom of speech, but if it's encouraging people to do harm to others, no, that's, 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 that's a hate. Uh, you, you mentioned sort of various examples where you've been abused in the street. I mean, it, it sounds like this is happening a lot. I mean, no, you... no, I, I mean, I'm 61, so it happened, quite, I don't know, a number of times. I, I didn't sit there, count them up, and I, I don't want to act them out for you in some sort of collage right no, now. No, but, but do you... <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is, do you feel safe in general when you're out and about? Or have you I noticed will, an increase in... I will not walk with fear. I will stand my ground and I will fight. So I'm just ready to, to fight at any point. And I just will... I refuse to be fearful. But have you noticed... Has there been... You know, you've got a, quite a broad view of it there over a period of time. Has there, has there been a general reduction, a general increase? It's, in the got, easy, it's got easier for me, but I've got better known. But that could have made it harder because people recognise you. Yeah, but, you know, I... I also run a whole bunch of marathons, so that confuses people because they say, oh, you're that, but you've done that, and isn't that, ah, oh, but how can you, and ooh. And so it slows everyone down on that. So, and, uh, you know, I, I've, you need to see how people react to me in, in Paris or in, in Berlin or, or some other city, and uh, then I will just stand my ground, and even if people stare at me, I, will, I won't stare back in their eyes, I'll just stare past them, and I will, but I will not move. And has it affected your view of humanity? No, I knew there was, as I said, you know, the, the World War II, there were some wonderful people. You can look at this. There's even wonderful animals. You know, if you go on, on YouTube, this is kind of, kind of, you might think this is kind of bonkers, but if you know these animal videos that come on uh, where animals do wonderful things to other animals, you know, yeah. they help other animals. And that's a beautiful thing because it shows that mammals will help other mammals. Not all of them, some of them are horrible to them, but some of them are great. It's just like us. We are just, we are one of those creatures in the mammals. We think we're fantastic because we're, uh, in inverted commas, civilized, but, you know, we, uh, there, there is something in a, in a whole bunch, I think the majority of, of the world that wants to live and let live. Live and let live. Treat other people as you'd like to be treated yourself. It's the golden rule. It's in all the major religions. And if you, if you dropped all the other bits of religion away and just held on to that, we would have peace tomorrow. Treat other people as you'd like to be treated yourself. That's it. That's the golden rule. That's you treat thy neighbour like thyself, you know. Uh, and do you feel like a resilient person? Obviously, there's sort of a number of things, the death of your mother and then a number of things that have happened to you and decisions you've made in your life that have perhaps made you the target of abuse in the street. Do you feel like you've hardened with age or that you were resilient quite early on? I was crying a lot when I was first at school and my brother was the only one who was um, protecting me and no one was protecting him. And so I was, I, I cried a lot and was very, um, I looked 
for, for, for sympathy. I was in a, in a bad way, in a kind of, my mother's died, help me, help me, you know, look at me, look at me, kind of. At, at times it was real, at times I, I just thought this is horrible. And then I stopped crying when I was 11. And I just stopped it dead. And I became a closed off um, person. But I have been quite resilient since an early age. Uh, I think once I stopped crying, maybe, maybe it's from 11, I just said, I, I'm going to fight everything I will. I, and I'm not going to be, I, I was always trying to be fair. But, you know, if people give me a hard time, I'll give a hard time back. I won't back down. I'll just keep trying to do the, the right thing. And I have, you know, and sometimes other people get, get a hard time. And I'm not necessarily, you know, the, you know you, in a film you say, oh, you're going to help everyone. No, I'm, I'm not that. I just trying to, I was trying to be a positive person, a resilient person, so that the, the determination was in there. Determination in there from, from, from a young age. It might be I just have the determination gene. But um, I do like people. I think most people are great. I think most people have the potential of being great. And I meet a lot of people in the streets who go, hello, and, and from all different backgrounds. And I just like saying hello. And because in the early days, no one said hello. And now they go, oh, Eddie. You know. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I just will be, I will drive on, I'll be resilient, be determined, and I'll try and get things done. And I, that's why I want to be in politics, because I feel like that, if you're in a position where you can change, you know, make, make laws, change laws, you've got to get the, our Labour government into, our Labour party into power, become a Labour government, and then we can help people. We can, we can do things which help, you know, because we're progressive, we make things progress for, and then there's another team which kind of regresses things, says, hey, let's go back to the 1950s. We're going, no, we're going forward to the 2030s. And then the extreme right saying, no, the, the 1930s were really good. When Hitler was around, no, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Did you read any books? Come on, let's go forward. So we have to encourage people forward to the 2030s, while Boris Johnson and Donald Trump head back to the 1930s. And when, when, you're, when people are interacting with you, do, do people... Um, second-guess themselves and, like, use the wrong pronouns and then go, oh, God, I'm oh, so sorry. No, the pronoun thing, well, you know, I, I, make, I make mistakes with my own pronouns. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about changing my pronouns, and, and so I, I actually... There was a chancellor of, of, of Swansea University. I got given an honorary degree there, and, and the, this wonderful chancellor, this woman, she said, Eddie, I did this, she did that, she did this. And I was just sitting there and having uh, she, her pronouns uh, in, my, in a speech about me, uh, hitting me, and I'm going, I, I felt, I, I told her this afterwards, I felt like hits of positivity on me. It just felt amazing. And I said, thank you for that. And she, she just gone and done it. And then Wales Online sort of wrote it up, and then the mail was saying, well, now what's going on here? What's going on? Surely, surely. <laughs> and so I wrote a statement and said, I prefer she, she, her. I don't mind he, him. No one can make a mistake. Um, uh, I'm Eddie. Um, Eddie is odd, but... Um, uh, I can't, there's another name I'm going to add in as well, um, which is Susie, which I wanted to be since I was 10, so I'm going to be Susie Eddie Izzard, that's how I'm going to roll, so people can choose what they want, they can't make a mistake, they can't go wrong with me. But, <laughs> on the next tour, will it be billed as Susie no, Eddie Izzard? No, I'm, I'm keeping, uh, my, my public name is Eddie Izzard. And on the ballot paper it'll be Izzard, comma Eddie. Yeah, or it might be, it, but things move, things move with time, so I don't know, but I, I just thought this, because I wanted to be, S-U-Z-Y since I was 10, and then I thought, uh, no, this is not going to happen. And then Eddie Izzard became this, this name, and so I, I said, well, you can't redo really that. And then 
I thought, well, if, I, if I'm doing Sheehan, why don't I do? Why don't I add that to the name? Because I've got Edward on my passport. It's got Edward. It's quite, quite, it's quite wooden and big, and it's not really. And I don't call myself that. So I just thought I'll add. I'll put Susie there, then Eddie, and then, and then people can choose what they want, and no one can go wrong. That's that's kind of fun. And how do you feel about the debate around? I mean, obviously, it was particularly focused on Scotland and self ID and which. which? On self-ID and, and gender oh, and the, trans. Well, and, uh, oh, you know. right, right, right. I mean, I don't even know what... I, I get so nervous about talking about it, because I, I know what I think, but then I th- I'm petrified I'm going to use the well, wrong word. Well, How do you feel about the way the debate's gone? There's a thing about the two years, which in the uh, Scottish bill was changed to three months with a, another three months on top of that. You had to already live, you had to declare that you'd lived in three months and then you, so it's a six months instead of, how long the time should be is very difficult to be, you know, say what is the perfect thing. Because if someone transitions and then wants to retransition and has done surgery, that's obviously a hellish thing. But if someone wants to transition and can't, they might take their own life. So you've got these, it's a rock and a hard place. It's a really tricky tricky subject. The fact that we're discussing it is good. We've got to get to this, we've got to get, understand this, that when I came out, not a dicky bird was being happening in Parliament, no one was doing it, no one anywhere was talking about it. So trying to get to a better place where uh, people are, trans people are allowed to exist, I just think we have to go that way. Um, that's what I'm fighting for in my own quiet way. I, there, are, there are trans activists who've, who've done lots of uh, uh, have worked to change ro- uh, rules in, in, in America, over here, or in the rest of Europe, around the world. Um, and I, mine has been a different activism. I've just said, I'm going to try and overachieve in everything I do and say, and I happen to be trans, because I happen to be trans. It's not, it's not the front of it. You know, when LGBTQ hits boring, then we've made it. <laughs> when you say, I'm gay, I'm trans, they say, oh, fine, but what do you do? Oh, I'm a librarian. <laughs> well, are you a good librarian or a bad librarian? <laughs> I know where all the books are. Well, that's a good librarian. <laughs> I'm an astronaut. The trans- oh, are you a good tra- astronaut or a bad astronaut? Bad astronauts are people who land on the wrong planet. <laughs> I'm a very bad astronaut. I, landed with- I thought I was going there, but I went over there. So that, that's what we want to know. What, what, what colour of skin and what sexuality are? It should mean, should not be, should not come into our, into our thinking. It's just, you know, live and let live. And, um, but I guess as a Labour person as well, I mean, a, a lot of this, without sounding dull, is actually about the role of the state in our lives and whether the state is an enabling force or a protecting force for children or anyone of any age who may not have parents or may be confused, or whatever it is. The state has responsibility through the health service, through mental health provision or whatever, to counsel people or to help people before they make, as you rightfully described, life-altering decisions. And I think, certainly on the progressive wing of politics, some people who absolutely are not transphobic this is clashing with their view of the state, because on the one hand, they say, actually, I think the state has a role to play in our lives, to protect vulnerable people, to help people make informed decisions about their own lives. On the other hand, they are also progressive when it comes to things like sexuality and gender and equal rights and everything else. And and there is a real conflict, it strikes me, on the progressive wing of politics between people who say, I want to be able to have the discussion about the role of the state in this without effectively sacrificing my progressive views on sexuality and gender. Do you see what I mean? Uh, yes, but what's the question? Well, the question is this. 
Is it transphobic for people to say, hang on, I disagree with Nicola Sturgeon's policy on self-ID, that I disagree with... No, transphobic is saying that trans people don't exist. Yes. And saying horrible things about trans people. That's, that's kind of... That's in the dictionary that I've just created. <laughs> and it should be in there very quickly if it's not there. But um, no, the discussion, uh, yeah, everyone's allowed to have a point of view in the discussion. But where, what the timing should be between feeling that you want to, um, you want to transition and you're allowed to transition, that is a tricky question. I don't have the perfect answer. And what does transition mean? Because obviously for some people it's surgery, it's... Change, physically changing their body, uh, and then for other people it's not. I mean, is... Well, I, OK. Uh, is there a difference to all, all I can say is, go, if we jump forward 20 years, and we can, we can carbon date this in the future, <laughs> when we come back here in 20 years, but, or 20, 30 years, or whatever, a, a 10 years, a period of time, we hopefully should get to a point where no-one gives a monkey. It, mm. it isn't such a hot potato attitude. Uh, marriage equality. You know, gay marriage, um, civil partnerships. Remember, it was, oh, oh if, you, if that happens, then this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that. And now we're, we're through and onto into a better pasture now that has moved forward. Um, this is um, this wonderful um, gay activist, uh, Troy, in uh, Salt Lake City. I was for, went out to Salt Lake City, uh, where a very groovy LGBTQ gala there. Because you think, well, this is, this is Mormon country. Absolutely. And surely that, you know, that's kind of a, it's a Republican... It's, it's a red state, which red, of course, means communism, but not in America. <laughs> Different over there. I don't, well, if you track, have you tracked the colours, the changing of colours in America? Because they've changed. They, they've flipped backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. Yeah. Red's under the beds. Well, that means Republicans under the beds. There's Republicans. Anyway, sorry, that's not our politics. Only three people are getting this. Anyway, just look into the colour changes. But anyway, he, he said to me, Troy said to me, he says, all this, because there's a lot of anti-trans legislation that, that people are trying to bring in, the right, extreme right-wingers are trying to bring in in America. He said he feels the discussions are happening now, very similar discussions between lesbian, uh, against, say, lesbian and gay communities and peoples and ideas were happening 20 years ago. And we went through that and we moved on. And hopefully we will go through this and move on to a place where... It doesn't matter so much because you know we're in the fetus. We're all we're all girls, yeah. you know. Where it's uh, and then some get coded boys. You know, it's XX and XY already. It's mixed XX and XY. The whole idea, this binary thing of we're going to crowbar the sexes apart with a with a you know with a move move them apart with a crowbar. That's that is a very old fashioned thinking that's been there for a bazillion years. But in fact, the spectrum idea does seem to be it. We're all somewhere on the spectrum. we just got to chill out about it and hopefully we can get to a better place. I'd, right now, the perfect answer, can't give you. But, yes, do have the discussions because we didn't have the discussions at all beforehand. So, uh, how many genders are there? I don't know. I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's the way to look at it. I just say we're all somewhere... How, how many human types of human being are there? One. Human. Or eight billion. Well, eight billion people who are just human. Yeah. You know, and I, it, I does, it, does it, it so matter? difficult? Uh, or how many skin colours are there? You know, we, yes. did you want to go in that place? That's that's not a good place to go. I just think there's humans, there's people with different skin colours. Um, you know, uh, 
human beings, we, if we're trying to get humans to go into the next century, 21st century, coming of age of humanity, we've got to make it work this century. And we've got to make connections rather than break connections. We've got to reach out and learn from other people. Can we learn from you? Can you learn from us? How are you getting on? We've got to be brave and curious, not fearful and suspicious. And, and, that, and, that, and a lot of the extreme right is fear and suspicion. And fear seems to be a much easier tool in politics than love. And love has to win. It has to win, but it's much slower burn um, idea than, than hate. And hatred is, is used all over the place just to stoke up fear and get people to vote for very rich, extreme, right-wing people. But also, uh, you know, a lot of it sometimes is about... Thank you, 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 13, 14 people. But also it is about, and this is when we think about the Labour Party, it's about what alternative is any political party at any one point providing for the public. I mean, you were on Labour's NEC during the Corbyn years. How was that as an experience? It was great. After day one, I thought, no, I want to do politics. Um, and I said this to the NEC, and anyone was there, because we'd just broken up, and I said, you do realise that we're having furious fights here uh, and discussions, but we're all disagreeing by about... And, uh, a centimetre of, of difference in, in, in ideology, in the great spectrum of things. We're actually people with good hearts, but trying to do positive things. Um, and I said, no one says positive things here. There was an idea. That's a bit of a bizarre statement to say, because uh, that's not what we normally do here. But I, I look to, you know, I look to try and bring people together enough so that we can head forwards and, 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 and make some uh, positive decisions and make some positive rules going forward. I just... <sighs> Some people look for the differences, and I look for the similarities. But when you've got a leader that uh, was being investigated by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission, did you at any point think, actually, I don't want this guy to be Prime Minister, it's not worth having a Labour government if he's going to be in charge? No, I, that's, that wasn't the way I approached it. I thought Jeremy was a, an honourable person. I think he knew what he believed in, and he was going to stick to that. I think he, he, I think he really liked being... Um, a backbencher because he didn't need to encourage other people to think the way he thought. He just said, I know what I think and this is it and I'm just going to keep fighting that way. And that's why he often voted against uh, where the Labour Party was voting. But when he became leader, I think that was a real curious thing to him. I think he, you know, he was, so, was very clear in, 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 you know, when, when they had the hustings and stuff because he said, I know exactly what I think. I'm not going to change a, a, a word of what I think because that's how I think. And that seemed different, very different, and very clear what he thought. Um, but uh, I think he then was running the party when you're trying to bring everyone together in a way that he, that's not how he normally worked. So that was a difficult thing for him to do. And where are you ideologically within the sort of Labour movement? Are you more of a Blairite than a Corbynite? I'm a radical moderate. <laughs> that I sounds like Blairite to me. Well, no, I, you know, I... I that's I not a bad I thing. That, 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 say again. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to be a Blairite. No, no, no I'm, I'm an Eddieite. <laughs> I believe in the Zadi. Well, I, I just don't want to sit there and say, I'm with this group and I'm with that group. Even in the stand-ups, and some stand-ups might back me up on this, there, was, there were two social group, big social groups. When I was coming through, this was in my third medium of comedy, because I went through sketch comedy like Python, then street performing for four years, and then stand-up. And when I could feel it, I could feel it was taking off. And, and I was invited to come and be part of the New Material Night. And as a kid who'd been trying since the age of seven when I saw this, uh, um, and I was eight, eight when I saw this play, and um, 
and all the way up, trying to, trying to get into being performing and suddenly being invited to be part of the best stand-ups of, of London, which were the best stand-ups in the whole of UK who were grouping together in London. And we would do a new material night. Um, that's when I first said that I was trans, I said that on, on, on the stage with them. Um, that was such a wonderful thing, but I was never part of any social group. So I, I don't, you know, I'm not looking to be, I am this and I am that section and I disagree with that section. I'm a Labour Party person. I'm going to fight for the Labour Party. I'm going to fight for the people of Britain. Um, I won't agree with everyone on our party, but I'm, I'm just not going to colour myself in that way. But you know that you're Labour not at all, Ray. Yep. So you've already said that you're one tribe, so yep. why not be able to define what subtribe. Because that's the biggest problem with us, is that we keep subdividing and subdividing and subdividing. Say, oh, your, your ideas are 1%, half a percent away from me, so I'm not going to talk to you, I'm not going <laughs> to agree with you. That's not, you know, you've got to understand that I've come this far being trans and doing stuff and performing in different languages. I just, I want to get people to try and work together to take humanity forwards, all of us, the whole world, eight billion people. What a ridiculous idea, but I'm going to fight for it. Um, and I don't quite know how I'm going to do that, but I didn't quite know how I was going to get to this point here, sitting with you. And I've done some things which I think are quite interesting, but I'm just not going to say, I feel exactly this and that, I'm going to disagree with that person because I know I'm going to have to work with people who have different views on certain things and different views on other things. And I, and I want to get us over the line in the, in the positive way. I'm just going to do but, it that way. But isn't it, uh, most people can talk to people they disagree with and are perfectly fine with it. I mean, I, they I can talk to... In the Labour Party, it can be not that case. But the public will say to you, but I want to know if you would allow the private sector to deliver NHS services. I want to know whether you're tough on crime. I want to know what your view on immigration is. Oh, oh, yes. No, yes. No, well, well, when I become an MP, you'll find that I will, <laughs> I will, I will go through the, an hour's worth of that with anyone who wants to, <laughs> the pants born off them. But... Um, but it's, it's not. I think people find it really interesting. I think people are really interested in. They know that you're Labour, but they want to know, and in a positive way. Yeah. What kind of Labour are you? And I think that's a natural thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. No, well, I'm a, a Labour Party person who who believes in the NHS. We built it. We started it up, and I want to make it work. Three hundred fifty million pounds a week. That's going to come in. Apparently, when pigs fly, <laughs> and um, so I, you know. It, so I want to fight for that. I want to fight for kids having the chances at schools. I want to fight for en enough police out there doing stuff in the right way and not in a way that goes wrong sometimes when, you know, you get, if we have cases that are coming up where some police with some rotten apples in the barrel. But I, I, I want to be enough security on the streets, enough people with a chance that they can go forward and they can, they can set up a business or they can go for their dreams or do higher education. I, I want to try, I, but I do know that everything costs and until I'm in there with all the figures in front of me, I'm not going to say, ah, this is exactly what we're doing. Oh, oh well, we don't have any money to do that. Well, can we do this? Can we do that? And I just want to be honest about the fact that I don't have all the answers right this second, but you get me in there, you give me the figures, you get me talking to intelligent people who can break it down for me, and I will take that on board very quickly. I think, oh, I don't think people doubt that at all. I think it's more just people would like to know. I, I, I'm just really interested as to whether you're sort of a hard left kind of guy or whether you're Well, I told more, you, I'm a radical moderate. You know, yeah. I'm... I'm uh, there were people on the NEC who were further left than I was, and people maybe, uh, I, you know, I, I talk about the nearer left and the further left. I'm not going to go in there saying the right wing. You know, sometimes in the Labour Party we say, oh, you right wingers. You say, well, we're not Tories. That's where the right wing is. And so that's seen as a covert insult. And then you can go, you know, I just, I don't want to sit there just 
making uh, arguments with people. I just want to try and make things work. And I just, yeah. Okay, so if, if you want me to have categorical answers right now on everything, chapter and verse, I can't do it because I need to get in and talk to everyone and find out and, and say, okay, so that really is impossible to do. What can we do on, you know, because, yeah. you know, university education, can we not get everyone, that's what we used to do, oh, it's too expensive, it really is too expensive, can we do it, the tax, does it not work? Um, until I get that all broken down for me and I get real people, you know, people I trust saying, this is, it's actually going to be impossible with that, it's going to be really hard, you have to take money out of that because everything balances out. Running a country, you have to balance the whole thing out. I do understand that. Um, you know, I did accounting and financial management. I do understand <laughs> how the thing works. You know, because I, 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 I make money, but I put it into other projects. And I'm, you know, I will put money, I use it as a tool to get other projects happening, going off and performing in different languages. That doesn't make me tons of money, but in the end it could be positive. It, but at least it reaches out and, and, and makes uh, other people there think, oh, well, maybe I could do it, I could do it, in, like, you know, a German person could do it in English or a French person could do it in, in German or whatever that is. Yeah. If you got elected, would you stop doing stand-up? Sorry? If you got elected, would you stop doing stand-up? I, I can't do another job. I can turn up somewhere and do a gig and we give the profits to yeah. a food bank or a scout hut. and That's what I do whenever I'm filming. I will do gigs when I'm filming and, um, and the, the profits will go to help out the people in that area uh, with whatever they need or whatever is suggested to me. So I can use it as a, as a tool, but my job will be being a... a is there not a, is there not part of you that thinks actually I'm going to re if I get elected obviously it would be a, an amazing thing and a huge ambition of yours and it will move your life into a new and very exciting chapter but it, it, is there not part of you that thinks oh man tours plays things like that you would you would miss effectively being Eddie Izzard no I'll still be Eddie Izzard the performer yeah well I won't be doing so much of that but. Well, I, just, I, I asked myself, I asked myself a question. Like when I, when I came out, I said, are you going to come out or not come out? I had a discussion with myself. I said, no, I have to come out because that's right and that's positive and that's telling the truth and trying to create a space for myself, if not for anyone else. And I thought about this. Do I want to go through an entire life and never do this? Or do I want to take these skills and take them in here? And this drive and this determination. I said, no, I've got to do it. So 2008, that's when I floated it out to... Um, uh, I, was in, I was in Louisville in America um, doing an interview with Newsweek, I think it was. So I thought I'd float it out and see whether everyone had, had a bad reaction or, or whatever. There's kind of a neutral reaction. People think, oh, it's a bit <laughs> odd. So in 2010, I said, I'm definitely running, and I'm definitely running. So um, I have to do this. Um, you know, I have to do this. We've got time for a couple of quick audience questions. If you could indicate very clearly. One-sentence questions, please. Possible Eddie one-sentence answers so that we can get oh. around uh, as many as possible. And uh, I don't have a roving mic, so annoyingly I repeat the question uh, for the podcast. And uh, yes, the one at the back there. And, um, if you could be education minister, what would be your policy? Start EMA, what would you do? If you were education minister, 
what would be your policies? This I mean, is, just says you're drilling, not going to get drawn on drilling down. <laughs> but yes, absolutely sure stuff. Absolutely yes. It, it's it's every child having the chance to get through. It's this thing. I mean, I remember Mark Thatcher saying, "Oh, I, I, it was easy for me." And then, well, his, his father was a millionaire, and he was married to the his, his mother was the prime minister. It made it ridiculous, you know. Um, people, if you go to a boarding school, it is it is an easier situation. Um, so I want every kid to have the chances to get through. I want to inspire them all to go go for their dreams. If you if you shoot for the stars, you could reach the moon. That's what I want every kid to have the chance to be enough funding to get that uh, for every kid in the United Kingdom. Excellent question and excellent answer. Yes, the gentleman at the back. Uh, which politician, living or dead, would you like to play in a film? Great question. What politician, living or dead, would you like to play in a film? Well, my two talismans are uh, Lincoln and Nelson Mandela. I don't think I'd be allowed to play... Well, <laughs> I couldn't play Nelson. <laughs> But I, I, I know his story. That's why I ran, uh, you know, 27 marathons in 27 days in South Africa. Twice. I did it twice because I, I got rhabdomyolysis the first time and I had to go back a second time. I got it done. I did a double marathon the last day. But he is a great influence on me. And Lincoln, if you watch, if you read uh, Team of Rivals, a very wise person, a great, he, he, you know, he, he had such great analysis. So Lincoln is my person. So, uh, but he was, you know, six foot five and I'm... I'm five foot seven, so that's not going to happen either. Yeah, but you wear but, heels. Sorry? You wear heels. I'd have to wear stilts. <laughs> um, but those are the, yeah, those are the two people that I, that I see. But, it, but Lincoln, it, he was just, he wasn't even a congressman. He, wasn't, he was a, just a lawyer. He was a, he was a circuit lawyer when he became president. He'd, 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 got, he'd tried very hard and got very close to becoming senator, but it hadn't happened. So it's, it's an amazing story if you really drill down into... What he did, it, it is just amazing. So maybe, I mean, playing Mandela, be quite an evolution of the brand, a trans-racist. <laughs> take it into a new realm. What, where, where's the trans-racist? <laughs> if you were playing Mandela, yeah. would you be allowed to play Mandela? No, that's the, that's the point. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying, I'd... yeah, would be, you would then be... But, but when you say trans-racist, where the racist bit comes from? Well, in? because if you were playing Mandela, would... Who's, who's, who is the racist character? <laughs> me? No, if you're playing Mandela, would that not be... That, that, oh, well, considered racist? Yeah. Oh, well, we could have non-positive, I suppose, but, you know, that's why they're not going to let me. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to push for it, but... Um, no. Um, uh, yeah, so... I, he's not... Lincoln is the answer. Great question. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, well... What can um, I do to help you get elected, says that you're on his campaign team. Well, the, the next time, the, the next constituency that, that I go for, because I think all the selections have, have slowed down now until May, but, um, you know, the next time you hear me going for a, another constituency, come and help. But, you know, I'll, I, am, I will just keep pushing and keep pushing, and, and um, I could say hopefully I'll get in, but no, it's not actually hopefully. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going until I get in. And what constituency do you live in? Uh, Walthamstow. Walthamstow. Nice oh, I did a gig. I did a gig there very, when I was young. Didn't go terribly well, but they were. Nice. <laughs> I think they were kind of amused by me. It was a working man's style, but it just wasn't. <laughs> Monty Python type stuff wasn't kind of a cup <laughs> What is this person doing? Here? Hey, yes, the fellow there. Great question. Have you felt welcome by the top tier of the Labour Party? Well, Do you feel that they fully endorse you? No, I, I don't talk to them. 
So it's, I think they welcome any people who have a positive heart who want to work hard for the Labour Party. But I think if I was Keir Starmer, I wouldn't be going, I like you and you, but not you. And just <laughs> that. I wouldn't be actively floating all that stuff out there because people say, oh, why? You know, what's all that? So um, I just carry on in my own sweet way. And uh, when we'll get in, we'll, we'll, we'll find out at a certain point. But um, uh, I haven't felt not welcomed, but... Um, no one, there's no welcoming Matt throwing out to me. I have to fight my way in, and that's how it should be. And I, I, I did a good campaign, I feel, up in Sheffield, and a lot of local people wrote really hard, and, uh, and Abby won, and that's great for her, and Paul Blomfield, because he was supporting her, you know, and, that, and that's good, and, you know, it's good that you should try and fail. I think some of the problem sometimes is that uh, we don't have enough uh, chance to fight elections. We have to learn to fight, learn to yes. win. Learn to say, what went wrong there? Because you don't learn from success. You learn from things going wrong. It's, it's the only way you can be happy about not getting things right. But if you track back through my life, I have not got things right a number of times. And, uh, and I've just gone back in, oh, try it this way, try it that way. I mean, running the 27 marathons in South Africa, I, after four marathons, I had to give up. And so go back, start again. And then day five was also off. And then so day 27, I ran two marathons back to back on day 27 to get it done. And um, that's what I'll do. That's what I'll take into politics, all that energy. But you've been around Labour for quite a while. Mm. You're a donor and, um, I mean, you must have friends that are Labour MPs that have been covered. I mean, any big names over the years encouraged you? No. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if... I don't know if... Well, I know I met them and said, I'm, I'm going to be an MP. So they, well, I won't bother encouraging them. I mean, I, they weren't disencouraging me, but I was, I was categoric from 2010 and I, was, I wanted to be an MP. So when I really was starting meeting people, I was, you know, I was trying to get out there to help. Every general election, I volunteered. And I've said this, I'm, I'm self-propelled. I'm not being wheeled out. I am self-wheeling. I just, I turned up in, in as many constituencies as I've done about 125 constituencies I've campaigned in uh, around the UK. I run marathons all around the UK. I've, I've performed in, in towns. I'm sort of known all around the place, even in Northern Ireland, even during the referendum was in Northern Ireland. Because when I was three, four, five, I sounded like this. Um, me and my brother started sounding like kids in the street um, because she's just hanging out with the kids. And then mom and dad said, that's a bit weird. Um, because you sound different to us now. Not weird that we sound like that, but just weird that we were sounding different. So we were encouraged to sound English in the house. And as soon as we got out of the house, we, we went back to Northern Irish. And my, I, my dad never told me this, but, he, but, he, but he, um, he listened through the door and he could hear us chatting. All right, see you tomorrow. Okay. So that's it. And I went to Ballyhome Primary School and that's, that's how we sounded. And I loved being, I would have loved to have had a Northern Irish accent. But with Jimmy Nesbitt, great actor to work with. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Northern Ireland, I always go and play at Northern Ireland and I've just had wonderful, we had a wonderful time. If you look in my autobiography, I, the second chapter is Northern Ireland. Mum was alive, you see, and it was, she died soon after we left there. So we had a wonderful time there with Mum and Dad, and it was just great. The family life was there. And I said, what should I call it? Life in Northern Ireland? When we were in Northern Ireland? And my brother said, call it Wonderland. And that's what the chapter about Northern Ireland is, because it was, it was beautiful. I mean, you know, the troubles all happened and whatever. We, we weren't having that. We were kids and playing and playing with a group of kids around in the area, and we just had a wonderful time there. Oh, I, don't, I don't want this conversation to end. Um, I've kept you for longer than I said. One last question. Um, oh, God. Uh, well, we've, had, we've, had, we've had two men and one woman. So if there's, a, what is, if there's another woman, because it's always male heavy. Yes, yes, the woman there. Which, which politician do you most admire and why? 
Which politician do you most admire and why? That isn't Lincoln or Mandela. What? Current oh. politician. Great caveat. No, I, I, I won't do that. Um, <laughs> I have to go to Lincoln. No, because... Who is the MP for Lincoln? No, as soon as you do that. <laughs> Sorry? Who is the MP for Lincoln? It was a shit joke, but, you know. Let's give it a go. If I do that, then it, it goes that way. And, you know, I think a lot of the people in the Labour Party, they just have a positive heart. They're fighting on the right thing, and I want to work with them. And, and I won't pick one out and, and say that's the person, because there's certain parts of that person that, that I wouldn't necessarily like. And I haven't actually examined their entire life. That's why I say Lincoln and Mandela, because they have passed away. Um, it, it might be a, a cheat to say that, but... OK, here's a way out. Who's your favourite dead Labour politician? Well, it's quite a bleak question. I didn't mean it to sound so grave. <laughs> no, I, I still... I, <laughs> They're not going to be I'm not quite like that. It's... it's, okay. it's, it's... Attlee? Wilson. Molan. We see... I, Attlee ran the country in World War II. Yes. You know that? And Churchill ran the war. That's how it worked That's out. Right. Um, Atley then? Sorry? Atley then? No, well, <laughs> this is the thing, but I don't think I'm, I'm Clem Atley. I, I, I don't think I'm like that. It's just, who do I want to be like? I'm not sure that there, I mean, look at any of the Labour politicians, you know, I don't quite match up. Oh, but you don't have to want to be like them, just who's the one that you like the most? I know, but I do, that's how I, that's how I roll. I've got to, if I'm going to like them, because I'm trying to roll like Lincoln and Mandela. <laughs> so it's really tricky to... OK. ..having dodged your entire question here, but I just can't, I don't know how to okay. get into that. So maybe another way around is, who is the most Eddie Izzard Labour politician <laughs> that's not alive? <laughs> I'd say... Nelson Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> there will be some obscure Labour councillor. Yeah. Nelson Lincoln, who lived many years ago, his family are going to be delighted. Oh, I met him. What was he like? Mandela. He was amazing. Um, he'd stopped meeting people. And then suddenly I was working for his 46664 charity and they said, you can meet him. He's up for meeting you. And I went in there and Neil Armstrong was walking out as I went in. Okay. So what a cue to be in. This is amazing. Now, I didn't realise that. There were some people talking when I went in, and I was so kind of mind-blown. I could see Nelson Mandela now. And they, when they came out, they said, that was Neil Armstrong. He just... That was Neil Armstrong sitting over there? And I, don't, I didn't say anything to him. But what I would have said was, Neil, Neil, what's he like? Is he, is he, is he wearing a shirt? Is he chatty Cathy? Is he just... Keep it simple. OK, do you have a good time? All right. Well done in 69, Neil. Well done. <laughs> No, I was in Bishop Stortford with the Atherton family, yeah. Yeah, and because and you took control, didn't you? And Buzz Aldrin was going, whoa, what's going on? And then you were, you were, so very good. Very nice line, you see. Come on, that excellent line. Well done, Neil Armstrong. And if, if you want, if you want someone I'm trying to be like, Neil Armstrong, part of me is trying to be like Neil Armstrong. Because not only what he did with that, but if you, if you, if you see any of the documentaries on him, he was a beautiful guy. He was a decent person. He was, he did not have an ego. He was, he'd been a test pilot, he'd been a fighter pilot, then a test pilot, and he survived in one of the Mercury, uh, and, and the Gemini uh, operations where the, the whole uh, thing yes. was spinning, you know about this? Yeah, yeah. And he kept his brain there and he managed to get up behind him and flick a switch that yes. could, could save their lives. And 
he was just a gorgeous person. And he said, leave this life a little better than when you came into it. That's what he said, leave this life a little better than when you came into it. And that's one of the last speeches he made. And watch any documentaries on Neil Armstrong. Just a wonderful human being. And in that thing, in, that, in, the, in the landing on the Apollo 11, because I, I thought it was our mission. Of course, it was the Americans' mission. But in fact, it was done, you know, I, you know we, I, the, the Russian astronauts did amazing things as well. And any astro, anyone who goes up there does amazing things. But what they did do on Apollo 11 is they took, they didn't put on the American flag. They said, this is for the world. And that's kind of beautiful. And so, yeah, just keep working. Everyone, all of you out here listening here, anyone listening on the podcast, keep fighting to try and make connections. Don't break them. Keep trying to make things better. And we could get there. This century, this is the test. Test century, 21st century. That's a lovely note to end on. And, and he was a good astronaut. He landed on the right planet. So it's, right it's, planet. It's, it good ties all the themes of our conversation together. Uh, before we say thank you to Eddie, this has been such a special night. And I, I could just talk to you for hours. Uh, and hopefully you'll come on the show again. Um, before we say thank you to Eddie, please, huge round of applause to everyone who works at the Duchess Theatre and everyone at Avalon who made tonight possible. Thank you for being such a wonderful crowd. To all our questioners, we're phenomenal. But this has been a true honour. When I got that DVD for... When I got, DVDs didn't even exist. When I got that VHS for Christmas in 1998, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, stand-up show ever made, Dressed to Kill. If you'd have told me that I would one day sit next to you and interview you for an hour, I would have never believed what a privilege it would be, and it's, it's exceeded my boyhood dreams. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please, a huge thank you for the one and only... Eddie Izzard! Well, there you go, Eddie Izzard. Of course, it wasn't just going to be about politics. It was about atheism, Abraham Lincoln, fat lions. Man, I've got no idea. Some of those, it's wrong to call them routines because I think some of them are ad-lib, but just obviously it's different to interviewing, say, Keir Starmer because Keir Starmer is someone who's a leader of a party trying to become the next prime minister. Eddie Izzard is by trade a comedian and not just any comedian. So... In a way, you can't stop. You know, if there was a politician doing ad-libs like that, obviously, Eddie is a politician because, uh, uh, you know, standing for election and everything. But still, it's just um, such a delight to have, to be able to, on this show, not just have, in a way, traditional politicians, but to be able to interview people like Eddie Izzard, Gary Neville, and, of course, um, people around politics and political broadcasting and everything else but just what a treat and what an amazing crowd and the live shows have an energy all of themselves in the room and uh of course i would recommend coming to them um but the uh the next five guests are krishnan guru murthy ruth davidson jess phillips david blunkett philip hammond guests at all different stages of their careers with all different levels of experience in politics all different perspectives uh and and, and at a time you know ruth davidson's gonna be on just after scotland gets a new first minister and we'll be talking to Philip Hammond not that long after the budget. There's just so many amazing people coming on the show and I'm deeply grateful. So thank you for downloading this. Thank you to everyone who came. Thank you to Eddie for being a phenomenal guest. And um, please share it, uh, share it far and wide. Leave a five-star written review and hit subscribe. And if you want to come to the live shows, come to uh, mattford.com or click the link on the in the blurb in the show notes. I'll see you next time. Ta-ra!
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.